Welcome to the Unremarkable Brain Podcast, a fat-fueled adventure into the world of epilepsy, the ketogenic diet, and much, much more. My name is Big Dave, and I'll be your captain on this little cruise. I'm not a doctor, researcher, or health guru. I'm just a fellow traveler on this journey of learning. A few years ago, I stumbled on a low-carb way of eating, and at the time, I thought it was nothing more than a weight loss gimmick. But I opened my ears, started to listen, and I discovered that cutting out carbs and embracing healthy fats is a well-researched way not only to lose weight, but also to manage my epilepsy and increase my brain health, a journey that I've chronicled in my recent book, My Unremarkable Brain, available now wherever books are sold. Now, several years in, I'm still listening, learning, and thriving with a low-carb diet, plus exercise, sleep, stress, purposeful living, and many other lifestyle changes. This podcast is a chance to share that learning and hopefully inspire you to thrive in your own life, whatever your situation may be. Please note that although we talk a lot about health, nothing that you hear here constitutes medical advice. Always talk to your doctor, nurse, coach, shaman, or other healthcare professional before undertaking any diet, exercise, or lifestyle changes. Now, on with the show. Hey gang, Big Dave here. We are back for another episode of the Unremarkable Brain podcast. Uh, and once again, this week, we're going to do a quick bites piece, um, short interview with an expert uh, to give us some tips, uh, some stuff that you can bring right away into your own life. Uh, once again, this week, my, my guest is my good friend, Dr. Ben Bocchicchio. As I said before, Dr. Ben is a giant in the field of health and fitness, a recent inductee into the National Fitness Hall of Fame, where he keeps the company of such greats as Charles Atlas and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Dr. Ben has PhDs in both exercise physiology and obesity. He's published over 200 articles, collaborating with medical researchers at places from Johns Hopkins to Arizona State University. His book, 15 Minutes to Fitness, is a very comprehensive, very readable introduction to the low-carb diet and to exercise, and I can't recommend it highly enough. I'm so lucky to have the opportunity to talk with Dr. Ben, and I can't wait to share with you everything that he has to say. So let's get to it. Thank you uh, again for joining us here, Dr. Ben. My pleasure. Um, I want to get into the, the smart workout system that you developed and uh, that you put forth in your, in your book, 15 Minutes Fitness. Um, and SMART is an acronym. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong on this. SMART is a, a slow maximum resistance training. Is that right? Yes, yeah, slow maximum resistance training, or I think I first thought of slow maximum response training, but they used both of them are used. And I, the idea of it was slow is the basic premise of the workout, and maximum response or maximum resistance is really we want to, we want to get the maximum return on our buck. And training just means you do this on a regular basis. So and it's okay. resistance. So. So, however, I, I just had to come up with something half clever, and that was about half clever. So that works for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so uh, let's talk about slow reps. I, I've recently moved my my workout back to the gym. I was doing it at home on the resistance bands. Mm -hmm. um, so I've been using the the Nautilus machines, you know. And in our gym, they all sort of face each other, right? So right. I can't help but notice what other people are doing, <laughs> right? Um, yeah. And I see one of two things, you know. I see if I could see the guy on the curl you know, um, guy or gal, you know, they're sort of looking around. Yeah, right, right. Da, 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 right. Or, or it's, it's the muscle head. This is almost always a guy. It's the, yeah. 
Yeah. Right? And so I see people just kind of flying through these. Set, and then they sit there for three minutes, talking on yeah, the phone. On phone and, oh, get on well, the yeah. um, but, but anyway, um, I've been, again, following your workout and much, much slower reps, you know, count of, yeah. count of five, six, seven, eight, ten, you know, on the up and on, and then on the down. How did you develop that? And, and what's the advantage of, of slowing okay. down like that? So if you're going to assess the effectiveness of exercise, I think there are a couple of issues, a few issues that you want to maybe consider. The number one issue is safety. When you exercise, the number one thing you want to do is to not get hurt. So from a safety standpoint, when you reduce the speed of movement, which we do, so we do very slow movements, you reduce the force that's required. Force is mass or the weight times acceleration. And if you have acceleration, you have to have speed because you can't go from zero to anything without moving at a certain rate. And the faster you move, the more acceleration, okay? Simply. Okay, so if you reduce the force, you reduce the speed, you reduce the amount of tension, uh, not even pressure, but tension is an outside force. So tension and, and structural kind of um, exposure on the joints and the muscles, but particularly on the joints. The muscles are pretty resilient. The joints take a lot of the stress of fast movement with any kind of resistance. Mm. So you want to reduce that. So number one, safety. So slow movements are definitely much safer. Okay. Then you've got um, efficiency. Is, is the movement that you're doing and the time that you spend doing it giving you a good return? Is it efficient? Okay. And we know that we can do a 15-minute workout if we maintain this that speed, we can have a set done and a muscle group done in, you know, a minute. And we can produce, you know, most 90% of the benefits you could possibly do in any time frame, okay? So it's efficient. Is it productive? In other words, we, it could be efficient, meaning, you know, it doesn't take long. It could be safe, means you won't get hurt. But it, is it uh, productive? Are we producing a result, result that we want? And, yes, we found that reducing the number of repetitions going at a slower pace with a constant load on the muscle produces every bit as much as a positive result uh, as doing it otherwise and spending a lot more time. So, yeah, it's productive. And another issue is it universally applicable. In other words, can everybody kind of do it? And the answer, again, is yes. I have 90-year-olds doing it. We have 8-year-old kids doing it. So it's pretty much universally adaptable and productive. So, you know, if you, if you understand those kind of principles of assessment of the value of exercise, I think it meets all those criteria. Now, how I developed it is an interesting, to me anyway, story. I was one of the first Nautilus guys, and people don't remember back then, but Nautilus was probably the first, Arthur Jones was the inventor, and the first machines that actually had a different device, a different machine for each major muscle group. Wasn't they, Before that, you had what we called universal jungle gyms, and you had four or five stations. You could do different pulleys and pull-ups and curls and things. But Arthur Jones developed what he said were perfect machines for each muscle group. So a perfect curl machine for your bicep, a perfect leg extension machine for your quadriceps, on and on, okay? So he said they were perfect because he had the resistance that was – variable. He made a cam that looked like a nautilus shell. So it was not round. It was asymmetrical and it actually changed 
the resistance throughout that range of motion. So I said, wow, that's amazingly clever. I said, how is that possible? You figured out the perfect shape of that cam. And he said he went to a um, geriatric home and measured purely anatomical uh, strength, uh, isometrically measured anatomical strength in different positions of older people who would have no predetermined sports training or anything. They would just be purely anatomical creatures. Mm-hmm. And he isometrically plotted that curve, and then he made a cam to match that curve, okay? Okay, this story is, you know, only God and Arthur know if it's true, but that's what he told me. But if you Isometric think about it... means standing still, right? Says, so yeah, no, no strength movement. here versus the strength here. Yeah. Versus, right. yeah. So okay. he plotted that. So when he told me that he developed those cams from an isometric curve that he developed from these older people, an isometric pattern, I said, well, that's zero speed. Mm-hmm. So it would seem to me the closer I get to zero, which is as slow as I can go, the more beneficial it would be the use of those cams on those now then revolutionary Nautilus machines. So that's how I started to go real slow. And I always was a strict form guy. My dad had always told me, you know, no, no throwing the weights around, don't bend on this, you know, keep strict form. So there's a little bit of that involved. Mm-hmm. But when we started training on these machines very slowly, we started getting great results to the point where Arthur Jones, the inventor of those machines, would send everybody who wanted to start a Nautilus facility up to my little place that I started in a factory building in New York, and we got very popular because we got great results. But And, and then there are a number of reasons why I think uh, that, that the slowness, you know, uh, is productive, and I can go into kind of the weeds a little bit, but bottom line is that it's very safe, it's very productive, it's very efficient, and it works. Okay, it make it it maintains the 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 mechanical work, the movement that we do should have a metabolic effect, should change your chemistry and your muscles and, and your whole body actually, mm-hmm. to the point where we have an upward adaptation. We get stronger, we get more muscle mass, we increase lean tissue, we reduce body fat. Um, that's what we're trying to do with this muscle action, with this exercise. And the slow training seems to do it consistently and safely and scientifically pretty soundly in most cases, most of the time. So, yeah, that, that's great. And I can tell, you know, in my own experience, just doing this um, last couple of months, I mean, I'll get, you know, maybe three, three and a half reps on the leg curl. You're pretty good with it. I've seen you train. Yeah. I'll just be cooked, you know, after those, those couple of real slow reps, Um, you know, it might take me 60, 80 seconds to to get through those, those couple Mm -hmm. of reps, but boy, it just really just takes you all the way to, to failure. Um, and that that gets into the the maximum res- the MAR part, right? The maximum mm-hmm. response because yeah. by I like how you call it um, slow movement but high intensity, right? And, and yeah, no, we'll tell you. The, the bottom line is what makes the muscles respond. So, in a simple definition or, or description of what makes muscles respond is having them work at a harder, more intense level than they're used to. If you do yeah. that, which you're used to, there's no reason for your body to adapt upwardly because you can handle the load that you're giving to the body through the muscle system. So working at that high intensity. And as a result, if we really work at the intensity necessary to, to guarantee that we're going to stimulate an upward adaptation, um, it, we cannot perform that high intensity muscle fiber recruitment very long. And that's just basic physiology exercise physiology, you're going to go in real life probably somewhere between 30, 40 seconds and 90 seconds 
all things being equal. I mean, and I don't like to use numbers purely, but somewhere around there, that muscle is going to fail. If I ask you to sprint, you're not going a mile. So that's how we kind of regulate, you know, the resistance by the time we can uh, perform it under load in good form until we reach that mechanical failure. And that correlates to metabolic threshold. So externally, you fail mechanically. You can't get another full rep, good rep. And that seems to correspond to the metabolic threshold changing the chemistry in the muscle to the point where it has to produce an upward kind of adaptation, you know, an increase, a, a gain, a, you know, a, a, a positive um, result. Right, right. And I, and I love that term threshold. Maybe we could do a whole, whole other section just yeah. talking about threshold effects because I've been thinking that's something I've been thinking about a lot lately. But just to finish out the acronym T for training, um, and I like uh, in your book and in your talks, you talk about the difference between training versus exercise versus activity, right? Yeah, um, well, the training part of, of this definition, as I envisioned it, is that you have to do this on a consistent basis. It has to be c- constructed with a purpose. It has to be done on a regular basis, intermittently, meaning not every day, intermittently, but consistently. So that, that's how the training, you know, this thing has to be organized. That's why I delineated from activity, you don't have to go out and organize a walk and say, I'm going to have to do this many miles and this many minutes up this kind of hill. And that's a little more, as far as I'm concerned, that's so that we uh, reduce the possibility of being considered sedentary in our daily behavior. We want to do something that can be much more random and intermittent two or three times during the day, five minutes or 15 minutes or an hour. I mean, however it works for you. But the exercise is pretty much constricted or restricted really by a certain physiological um, tenets, you know, uh, and boundaries. It has to be at this kind of a level. It has to take about this much time and it has to be in a certain range of motion anatomically and things like that. So that's the difference. One is disciplined and organized. One is more random and casual. So as always, some really interesting insights by Dr. Ben there. Uh, You can tell he's a person who really thinks deeply about this stuff, and that's why I have so much fun talking to him. Uh, You can check out my article about this episode and and some further thoughts about going slow and speeding up on my Substack site, which you can find on unremarkablebrain.com. There you'll also find show notes, further information, and the latest in my low-carb journey of relentless learning. You can subscribe there to become part of this community and get all my freshest drivel delivered right to your inbox. Um, So please do that if you could. And in the meantime, uh, take a moment to rate and review this podcast. Algorithms love ratings, and uh, giving us a nice juicy five-star review will help other people to find this information. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Until then, keep living large.